and welcome to Upstage New York, Creative Licenses Scripted Podcast. I'm Casey Polamain. We're very excited to be back with episode two, and we really hope that you enjoy it. So we all know that memories fade with time. Details that you once were so sure of slowly become fuzzy, and sometimes even unbelievable, to the point where you question whether or not they really happened in the first place. So how do you move forward from there? How do you bridge that gap? This is Getting Caught in the Rain. Some of the 80s, I attended bar at the Railroad Grill. Back in those days, it wasn't the worst way to make a living. It wasn't great, but it wasn't the worst. The grill, being located right next to the train station, meant that most of the clientele were passing through or getting out of town. I've seen some shit. Most of it was a blur, if I'm being honest. At a point during those years, I was going through a pretty nasty divorce, and I was hitting the bottle pretty hard myself back in those days, and so after a while, even the strangest of faces and the strangest of nights began to blend together. There was, however, one night and one set of faces that I'll never forget. I can't recall the exact year, but it was a a wild and stormy night in July. You know, where the sky turns a light shade of obsidian before letting loose on the terror. Stormy wasn't the word for it. Ragnarok. You know, the end times of Norse mythology? The Twilight of the Gods was kind of like the ancient Viking version of Armageddon. In this great battle, most of the gods would battle to the death, spurring the occurrence of many natural disasters, which ultimately ends with the world submerged in war. That might be a better description of what it was like. I was beginning to wonder if I should start building an ark. I sent the cook home a little after 10, there wasn't a soul in the place. I would have closed up myself, except that I needed time to kill, get sober. Like I said, I was hitting the bottle pretty hard those days. So there I was, sitting in an empty bar by myself, listening to Jimmy Buffett tunes play off the jukebox when a pretty young woman with dark curls stepped in from the rain. She shook her long black curly hair. The action sent little beads of water flying everywhere. Reminded me of a scene out of some movie I had watched once, so I can't quite place the name. The girl smiled coyly as she lowered and closed up her umbrella and jacket and before she set them both next to the door on their own respective hooks and 
stepped up to the bar. She wore a lot of makeup for the occasion, more so than women usually wear at a downpour. Her heels clicked on the laminate floor. She dressed like she was meeting someone. Hello again. <laughs> Hello again? I didn't recognize her, though she seemed to know me. But that didn't faze me. In a typical week, I saw a hundred faces, and so they have a tendency to meld together. They, on the other hand, maybe saw a couple of bartenders, maybe not, maybe just me. She sat down, and she placed her drink order. I'll have a pina colada. All right. As I mixed her drink, she looked over her shoulder nervously. I served up her drink and struck some casual conversation. So, um, how about this weather? <laughs> she certainly is gloomy. Are you, um, waiting for someone? As a matter of fact, I am. You didn't see a man come in here a little while ago, did you? <laughs> I see lots of men come in here. Care to be more specific? He's tall, maybe six foot, dirty blonde hair, blue eyes. <laughs> sounded like she was describing someone too good to be true. This guy sounded like James Bond or some kind of surfer. We don't have many of those around here. I shook my head. No, I can't say that I have. Hmm. She looked down, checking her watch, maybe to make sure she had gotten the time right. We were supposed to meet here at this exact time. He said he would be here waiting for me. Your um, husband? Uh, n no. What made you think that? Oh, sorry, don't mind me. I just saw the ring and I assumed. Uh, my apologies. I knew I had struck a chord when she looked down at her wedding ring, frowned, and slid it off her finger before stashing it in her purse. I could see the gears turning behind her eyes. Whoever this mystery man was, he hadn't shown up yet. He was supposed to be here by now, according to her. It was clear to see. Pretty Miss Curls here was starting to wonder if he was going to show up. She was starting to wonder if she had been stood up. I had seen this before, a girl getting stood up, and it wasn't a pretty sight. As it is, a girl with a drink in her hand is usually only a gentle push away from crying, perhaps just a few poorly chosen words. The look creeping over her face was a foreboding one and hinted at waterworks on the horizon that could rival the downpour outside. I knew I had to choose wisely if I wanted to avoid having a meltdown on my hands as much as possible, so I made something up. Maybe he got a flat or something. You know, maybe he's just running late. Maybe. You, th you think? Yeah. Happens all the time. Usually, it's the worst possible timing. I see it all the time. Say, tell me more about this fella. Maybe I've seen him before. It was a risky move, I knew it, but hey, maybe if I could get her talking, she'd stop looking over her shoulders every ten seconds. Well, where do I start? <laughs> Ted isn't my husband, you already know that. I don't know, I know this sounds cliche, but he's kind and romantic in ways my husband just isn't. At least not anymore. Why am I telling you this anyway? I'm a Jedi. Oh, what? N never mind. 
I was just a joke. <laughs> you know, it sometimes feels good to bury your soul to a total stranger. Listen, buddy, if you're trying something funny here, I'm the wrong girl. No, nothing funny. I just don't know what romantic looks like. So, tell me more about this guy. I mean, how does he dress? Is he a sharp dresser or more like uh, one of those rock and roll types? Oh, no, he's a real sharp dresser, mister. I didn't really care about any of this. I was trying to keep her distracted in hopes that Mr. Blue Eyes would actually show and the two of them could move it along to the next station, literally. But more often than not, people really did think this was my job. Drunk men, mostly, whining about their shitty lives, their crappy jobs, their failed marriages. Pretending to listen to people spill their guts once they've had too much to drink, it paid the bills. Certainly beat the hell out of chasing Viet Cong through the jungle. But wasn't my favorite activity in the world. Roger, my husband, he just doesn't seem to care like he used to. Hell, he doesn't seem to care about anything these days. In a lot of ways, Ted reminds me of how Roger used to be. Attentive, engaged. I used to be the only thing in the room he noticed. I used to be the only one that mattered. Now I'm the last thing, that is if he notices me at all. I used to feel something when I was with him, and now there's nothing there. That feeling was electric, like some kind of magic. I used to feel lightheaded when he looked into my eyes. Now we don't even make eye contact most of the time. I know I shouldn't be going about it all in this way. I know I shouldn't be running away with Ted. I know I'm being a terrible person. I should have broken it off with Roger first. I don't know, this way just seems more romantic. Two lovers leaving everything behind to start a new life. Is this him right now? Her face lit up like it was Christmas morning. But as the glow of the headlights lit up the booth near the window, I saw her visibly shrink down in her seat. She turned and recognized those headlights. She spun around to face me again, and with panic in her voice, she said, Get rid of him, please. Get rid of who? Just get rid of him. Who am I getting rid of, miss? It was probably the booze still working its way through my system, or maybe the rain and the steam clinging to the window, but I had trouble making out the exact shape of the headlights on the vehicle shining through the tinted glass. My mind wondered, well, what is it, a police cruiser? My husband! I wanted no part in any of this. I had no desire to be party to the fallout of what would happen when her husband found her. I was no longer drunk, and that buzz was replaced by a headache forming behind my eyes. I just wanted to close up. I knew that was likely to be a pipe dream, so I suddenly and desperately needed another drink. I took a moment to pour myself a shot of Old Crow, downed it quick before I emptied her drink and set the glass in the sink. Please, just get rid of him! She ducked into the ladies' room just as the front door swung open and her husband walked in. We're closed, buddy, I said as the dark-haired man approached the bar. Oh, no, really? He frowned. 
What about just one drink? I'm supposed to meet someone here. I'm kind of surprised she isn't here yet, to be honest. I thought I was running late. Sorry, pal. I can't help you. We're closing up. I normally wouldn't ask you to stay late, especially on such a crappy night, but this meeting is kind of important. What do you say? I hand you this 20, you serve me a Budweiser, and you keep the change. Either way, she shows up and we leave right away, or I finish my beer and take off. I'm talking 10, 15 minutes tops. I thought about it. The girl was fine hanging out in the bathroom for a few minutes while this guy had his drink, and then the two of them get the fuck out of my bar and hopefully never come back. So, I poured him a Budweiser, and he pulled up a stool. It was worth the 20 bucks. What a soggy night, huh? Yes. Soggy ain't the word for it, bub. Tell me about it. It's the great deluge out there. <laughs> and, and these storms, so weird and powerful, I swear the lightning comes out of nowhere sometimes. He didn't have much to say, and frankly, neither did I. I kept busy behind the bar cleaning glassware. He had barely touched his Budweiser, and he looked anxious. Naturally, I tried to keep conversation up, lighten the mood, maybe help him move along. Did I hear you right? You said uh, you came here to meet someone? Yeah, a girl I've been seeing for a while now. We are, we're finally going to take the plunge. We made a plan to catch the midnight train, head out to the west coast, and leave this place behind. <laughs> Did the husband sleep around too? What were the odds of that? Maybe I'm drunker than I realized, I thought to myself, as I chose my response carefully to not rouse any unnecessary suspicion. <laughs> New beginnings. You bet. Hey, have you ever met someone that felt like everything you needed, like everything you've been missing? Can't say that I have. I was married. I mean, technically, I still am, but it's run cold, distant. My marriage has been that way for a while now. Over the past few years, whenever I'd reach out for her, she'd retract. She'd try to rekindle something and I'd then be busy. It'd be the wrong time. We'd gotten out of sync. We never could get on the same page, and for a while I ignored it. Just tried to pretend there wasn't anything wrong. I'm sure she did the same. I was just kidding myself. I felt numb, and I knew our marriage was over, and in a weird way it made me feel like less of a man. Yeah, the booze helped for a little while. It got me through, but after a while it just wasn't enough to make up for what I knew I was missing. For what I knew I wasn't giving her. I tried to imagine these two together on their wedding night. Husband and wife, both fresh in their youth and unweathered by age and the trials that add up. For some reason, I pictured them getting married in June, in the early afternoon. I imagined them sitting together, wearing their wedding clothes. The guests had all gone home, and it was just the two of them, relishing the moment. Roger would comb his fingers through her hair, brushing it back over her ears as the last rays of sun retreated to the hills in the distance. I imagine time passing by a few months. They had just bought their first home together. I could see the smiles on their faces, faces so full of hope and promise of a future together now being cemented. 
I saw through some kind of bitter alchemy as that cement turned to stone, which slowly became their prison. The walls made of a cold volcanic stone that took on an almost mirror-like quality. Over time, they would see their own bitterness and ugliness through this stone, and then, of course, I imagined the fights that would bubble up to the surface as they grew more isolated from one another. I mean, who knows? Maybe it never got that passionate. Or maybe that was just me projecting my own shit with my ex-wife, but that's a story for another day. That's just what I imagined. But as the weirdness of his story sank in, I couldn't help but start to question exactly where this was going. Then I met Debbie, here in this bar nonetheless. Debbie is fun and adventurous, the way my wife used to be. I felt that magic again, so Debbie and I decided to make it official. We agreed to meet here, the place we first met, one last time tonight, and run away together. So I... I... I, I, I left, left a note. note! I looked up to see Claire had emerged from the ladies' room. Tears stained on her cheeks and her bottom lip quivered. You were going to leave me? She was doing the same thing to him, but I guess it was still a shock, a blow to her ego. This may be pessimistic, but the way I read it is, at the end of the day, whether or not you want to stay with someone, no one wants to be dumped. Clara, I don't understand. What, what are you doing here? The same thing you are. What do you mean, the same thing I am? I don't understand. I was meeting a man here, and we were going to catch the midnight train out to the West Coast and start a new life together. Wait, what? Who is this guy? You'll see soon enough. He should be here any minute. Please, just promise me you won't do anything. Can you do that? We can both just go our separate ways. Wait, you're going to meet him here tonight to head out to the West Coast? Behind the bar, my hand found the small blackjack club that I kept around for protection. If this other guy did show up, who knows what may go down. Yeah, you think you're the only one who can cheat? Don't you think it's a bit odd that your story mirrors mine identically? Where did you meet this guy anyway? Here. Pfft, Claire, don't bullshit me. I've been in here every week sitting right over there by the jukebox and I've never seen you in here. Well, then you're either blind or you're the one that's bullshitting. I have never run into you here. Come on, Claire. You don't have to act like you caught me. But that's not going to change anything. So you're serious. You met a woman named Debbie, and you're running off to the West Coast with her. Yes, and I'm sorry you had to find out this way. I didn't know you wanted to go West. You never asked. And you've been coming to this bar every week? Thursdays? Yes. I, I just don't know how that could be. I mean, I sat right here last week with Ted. That's when we decided that we were going to run away together. We were going to rent a car. And drive up and down the West Coast? Yes. What about watch the sunset in Big Sur? Yes, and... What about pick flowers on the hills overlooking the waves? Yes. Somehow he knew all of this. And I got the feeling it's because he had been making the same promises. Outside, the storm picked up speed, something that I didn't think was possible. I felt the wind rip through me. 
I had checked the front door to make sure it hadn't blown open, but oddly enough, it was still shut. The power flicked on and off, and the, the flash lightning filled the dim corners with an overwhelming bright light. The color left her face all at once. Her eyes began to flutter, and she started to wobble. I think I'm going to... Claire! She started to faint, but Roger, operating with what could only be described as cat-like reflexes, caught her. She looked up at him, her eyes gleaming. I could tell her head was still spinning. Maybe they were putting on a show for me, but it was a damn good order. Claire! Are you alright? Bartender, can I get some water? I'm fine, I promise. This is this is just all a bit overwhelming. Claire, what happened to us? I don't know. I guess we just lost touch. Claire, I know this is going to sound crazy, but I think we've been meeting each other here all along. It's crazy, I know, and I don't have the faintest idea how that is the slightest bit possible, but it's the only thing that makes any sort of semblance of sense, if you can call it that. Roger, that doesn't make any sense. I, I don't know what you mean. Hear me out. I think we were projecting that thing about each other that time and familiarity and boredom had hidden from us. We were seeing each other as we wanted to, as we really are. Deep down, without all of the bullshit of our daily lives getting in our way. The perpetual frustration of not enough money and time caked on our faces like a disguise. Roger, are you drunk? I don't understand how that could be. No, I'm not drunk, Claire, and I don't really understand it either, but how else can you explain it? I mean, we have both been coming to this tiny bar week after week and we've never run into each other? We both plan to run away with a new lover the exact same plan? How else is that possible? You call that an explanation? Roger, that sounds like a plot to a science fiction picture. A bad one. Then what happened, Claire? What other reasonable explanation can there be? <sighs> I don't know. Let's just go home, Roger. Look, I'm really just confused right now. There's just no way I can wrap my head around any of this. Let's just go home and we'll try and figure this all out in the morning. You, me, us. We need to figure this all out, but right now I just feel drained and I need to lie down. He set her back on her feet. She was steady now. The storms outside had finally died down. Soon, they both straightened. A simultaneous look of embarrassment and disbelief hung on their faces as we made eye contact with each other. I had no idea how to properly respond to what just happened, and neither did they. Don't think for a second that I've ruled out the possibility that this was all just some depraved game these two were playing on me. That there was a chance that some of it was truth and some of it wasn't, some half-cocked fantasy. Maybe they were both truly living boring and unsatisfied lives, but instead of leaving each other for phantoms, they put on this act for a, a new stranger in a new place every week. Sure, they have to alter the story. That's easy enough. I nodded and snatched the empty pint glass off the bar. Well, now I can officially say we are closed. 
You don't have to go home, but you can't stay here. And then something happened. Something that made me not care what part of what I was witnessing was fact or fiction. Something that made me wonder if there was something supernatural or extraordinary at work that night. Roger, still holding his wife, looked deep into her eyes. Wait, Claire, I can't go home with you tonight. This, this has to end. This has to end right now. If we tried it any other way, we'd both just be lying to ourselves. We can't spend another night together in that house where we lost each other under all of the weight. Our lives here, all of the bullshit we put each other through, the silence and the walls we've built up to keep each other out over the years. Claire will never make it, you and I. It's all become too much. There's too much weight. Claire, if you and I have any shot at making it, we must get going right away. We've got a train to catch. They turned and walked out the door, hand in hand. Just the two of them, the clothes on their back, and the money in their pockets, catching the midnight train. Following close behind, I shut the lights off and locked up. When I stepped outside, I noticed the rain had stopped. The clouds were already beginning to part overhead. So I decided to walk the six blocks home that night. Not long after that, the moon was following me home, bright and full. Never did hear or see that couple again. Don't know how things ended, to be honest. I never really looked into it. I didn't need to. What became of Roger and his wife Claire after that strange and stormy night in July will always be a mystery. And that's the way it will stay. At least for this bartender. Steve Polamain and features Gary Maggio as the bartender, Jen Davidson as Claire, and Evan Jones as Roger. It was directed by Isaac Newberry and produced by me, Casey Polamain, and Aaron Holbritter. Tonight's episode features original music by J.C. Woods, who is a resident of the Albany Barn, Creative License's home base. You can visit our website, creativelicenseonline.com, for more information on J.C. as well as the barn. Tonight, I'm joined by Isaac Newberry, as well as the script's author, Steve Polamain, and actors Gary Maggio, Jen Davidson, and Evan Jones. So, welcome, guys. Thanks for coming. Thanks for inviting me. So, um, Steve, I actually wanted to ask you, um, so you wrote one of the scripts for Divided, which was Creative License's New Year's Day show at the University Club, and then obviously you wrote the script. So how, um, I'm just kind of curious, like how the process of writing this script was different from writing the script for Divided? Uh, well, this uh, actually was written before the script for Divided, um, and uh, so it really was, I kind of had to take a step back and think about how things would sound as the really the only point of reference you have for this show or script. 
Yeah, yeah, and I mean, you write a lot too, right? So yeah. it's probably it's like it's a cool way to think about it. Like you don't when you're writing just like a regular script to be performed on a stage, you don't really think too much about how things would sound. I would think. Um, yes and no. I mean, I think stage and audio are more similar than say stage and film or audio and film mm -hmm. because they, they you know they say film is a visual medium and they say theater is a audio you know medium um, and of course audio is an audio medium too so I, I think they are a little more similar than people than one might expect from a writing standpoint but uh, I do understand what Steve is saying about how you have to pay more attention to because it's all sound the audience has nothing to look at right. when, they, when they do this so you have to really Manipulate people's thoughts. Did you write this specifically as an audio play, Steve? When um, you first wrote it? No, I just sort of wanted to sit down and and try something new. Mm -hmm. uh, so, do you did you visualize it as a, an onstage piece? Uh, I think initially, yeah, because this was actually, I believe, the initial idea was what I was going to try to present for Divided, um, and it just didn't work out that way. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because I mean, it works. I mean, I could see it working on stage. Absolutely. Because it's mm -hmm. such, um, it, it, it's that setup of cast members being stuck in a spot, you know, with because of the adventure of what's going on outside, the idea of being enclosed in a spot. It's like 12 Angry Men, like we were talking about before. Right. You know, yeah. it sort of forces a kind of dynamic that is very theatrical and, and would work well on stage, I think. Right, yeah, it forces the characters that probably wouldn't normally deal with each other, with mm -hmm. the exception of Claire and Roger, mm -hmm. to mm -hmm. have to mm -hmm. have to share their lives mm -hmm. with each other. Exactly. Yeah, absolutely. Do you guys have you guys ever done any kind of like anything like this, like podcast recording or like radio dramas or anything like that? I had a Google podcast to find out what it was. <laughs> <laughs> I, I have. This is this is the second or third audio play that I've been a part of. Uh, I have another group of friends who have like who have, they actually have their own podcasting network that I've uh, I've done a, a few like movie review podcasts with them, but they uh, they wrote a like a science fiction script, kind of like oh. the same format that we're doing here, and uh, that came out about a year ago. What's the right. What's the podcast like? What's it called? Uh, the group is Psycho Jellyfish. All right. So if you if you, if you uh, hard to forget. If you yeah. go on if you go on Facebook and search for them, they have like five or six different shows that they do. They do. You know, B movie reviews, and they do like a video game podcast, and they do a lot cool. of a lot of cool, cool nice. stuff. And nice. I'm and I'm pretty involved in them. They actually have a, a secret film project coming out uh, pretty Ooh. soon that I helped uh, I helped with the script. Which you're going to tell us all about right now. <laughs> well, <laughs> I, I wouldn't do that to them. I uh, I had to explain to my mother what a podcast was, and it took a long time for her to disassociate podcast and iPod. I had to. Oh, that's funny. Oh, you know can't listen to a podcast on your iPod. Right. Right. But it doesn't require an iPod. No, yeah. oh, that's great. That's great. Yeah, I think I, I said something to my dad about podcasts, and he just sort of looked at me, and I'm like, "Do you know what a podcast is?" He's like, "I don't." <laughs> like, like, like a like a, a radio like, like people used to like sit around the radio and and listen to. I just the tell radio my parents drums. I'm doing radio. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Gary, you were around when the radio wasn't even invented yet. Oh, really? <laughs> oh, geez. I invented it. Not even I went there. <laughs> you can't see this right now, but I'm hugging Gary, who's <laughs> bleeding. He's one of my, <laughs> one of my favorites. 
I still prefer to listen. I'm a great baseball fan. I still prefer to listen to baseball games on the radio. Right? Oh, really? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. With a good with that. a good radio announcer because it requires you to then yes. imagine if the What's radio happening? announcer is good enough, sure. they can just tell you everything and you yeah. can see it all. It's radio so, is. Cool. I think next to hockey, radio is the toughest one to. To do play by play. I did a little. Baseball. I did a little. Uh, uh, yeah, baseball. I did a little sports casting mm -hmm. in my radio days, and uh, baseball Baseball's is. Tough. It's tough. Yeah. It's but tough because because it, because it's it's a slow moving game, and you have to fill in the you have to fill in the blanks on the radio. You so don't you want to get there. a little poetic. That's mm -hmm. why uh, baseball writers tend to be poetic. Yeah. So. yeah. I like the sound of the bat cracking. Yeah, yeah, it's, no, it's not the can, same way on television. And you can tell if it's a foul ball or if it's a well hit ball or a line Is that drive. right? You oh, can yeah. Really tell oh, yeah. If you've listened to that. enough baseball, no uh, kidding. I have for 60 years or whatever. So, huh. yeah. So. Very cool. So, Steve, when you, when you wrote this, um, is this really just a story of how you met Casey for the second time? <laughs> 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 um, yeah, yeah, no. Uh, All the hot booze. Yeah, yeah. Uh, there's there's a few references uh, to Maya and Casey's relationship. Uh, yeah. Hot uh, booze being but one no, of them. No, we've never tried to leave each other for um, imaginary people. <laughs> Although I do have a couple imaginary friends. Don't we all? So, what was like your inspiration? Like, what? What was your inspiration for this script? Um, well, I was trying to write something uh, with a little bit of uh, romantic comedy in mind, um, and I just don't do that normally. <laughs> so I had to make it weird uh, in order for me to be uh, interested in writing. In your it. comfort zone, yeah. yeah. So what did you learn from hearing it? I mean, did did what, was this helpful for you? I uh, very very much so. Um, it was. Some of the ways that I would phrase things in my head when writing it uh, is not how you guys would phrase it naturally at all. So it was interesting to kind of hear it and go back and, and tweak things as, because it didn't sound quite the way I had envisioned it sounding. Mm -hmm. it, it, it's, it, that's the biggest thing when you're a writer is you write something and in your head it sounds good, but then when an actor tries to say it, they stumble on something. And I've always taken that if an actor is stumbling on a certain phrase, it's not written it's not away. Working, right. sure. And then when you read it, you know, I mean, those things jump out at you, it yeah. seems to me, because I found the bartender, um, um, 85 to 90%, very natural to, t to say his lines. You know, so the ones that, you know, I could probably go through the script and send them to you and, yeah. and uh, tell you the ones that jump out and that just don't ring true. That if you're writing it, sounds odd. It sounds like a phrase, you know, but it's not one that would that works for an actor saying it. Actually. Right, yeah. You know, no, so. Yeah, that's, that's yeah, it's great. It was a great way to uh, experience my writing because mm -hmm. often I'll write it and you know, I don't necessarily take a second or third look at it until it's time to edit. And then at that point, you're just so frazzled with all of the little pieces that, that don't quite fit. You don't, you miss things like that. Mm -hmm. Jen, you've done quite a bit of acting around the area. Um, is, is <laughs> That's this, generous. Oh, <laughs> I've been to a couple of things. That's true. That's true. Um, have you have you done anything that's uh, been recording any sort of podcast radio? Uh, well, voiceover? don't laugh, but when I was in sixth grade, my debut was in Peter Rabbit, <laughs> and we had these paper mache heads that we had to wear on stage, which meant that we had to record all of the lines so that they could be played 
audio. Nice. Rather than have us try to talk through these paper mache heads. So that was my, um, yeah, that's my only that's experience. Pretty with that's pretty good. That's a pretty clever sixth grade teacher. Yeah, it is, right? Yeah. 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 Mr. Christian, it was for pretty impressive. Sixth, for sixth grade, and we were yeah. all very like not to use the animal reference, but deer in the headlights. And I remember him <laughs> saying that you know you can't staple your pages together, and you have to be very careful as you're reading them. I can, I remember like it was yesterday, <laughs> and the big microphone, and being very intimidated hmm. to make sure you got your lines right as you were reading reading them through. But I was grateful that I didn't have to memorize anything. I remember that as well. That definitely makes things easier. <laughs> a lot easier, especially in sixth grade. Now one one thing that I uh, that was interesting about this was, you know, when we're recording it, we're just kind of going through saying our lines to each other, and you know, there's a flashback and there's other things. So like in the page in the in the scan of like two pages, my character is is super happy, and, yes, then, and then he's yes, super depressed, right, exactly. and then he's shocked that he sees his wife at this bar. <laughs> so it's just kind of funny. It's just the emotional the, roller coaster. The right? emotions jumping around in this kind of a. Uh, can be a bit of a unique challenge. Like you, if you do something on stage, then you, you get the progression. Yeah. Everybody kind of sees the transition from a scene to a scene. But with this, like you're right, the lines are back to back. And yeah. It, 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 you it's guys fun. Just switched on the fly. Yeah. Nice. Well, I guess that just about does it for us in our second installment of Upstage New York. Uh, check out our first episode, Bringing Out the Dead, as well as info on our mission productions, and more at creativelicenseonline.com. Thanks for listening, and thanks for being here, guys. Thank you. How about, can you do, can you tell Marty a thing? Ooh, yes. <laughs> Wait, Claire. <laughs> I can't go home with you tonight. This has to end. This has to end right now. If we tried it any other way, we'd both just be lying to ourselves. <laughs> <laughs>